0: This program is brought to you by FortuneCopilot.com. FortuneCopilot.com helps smart business owners like you discover world-leading ideas which will transform your business. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Business, the UK's premier program for current and future entrepreneurs. I'm Alan Coote on this week's program. Wouldn't it be great to understand what makes people tick, especially when sometimes the people you have to work with are frankly just plain annoying yes we've all been there haven't we we talk to an expert who has a few simple steps that we can use to better understand our co-workers now if you have a fantastic idea for a manufactured product how do you go about getting it out there to the world We find out how to go from nothing to signing your first customer in just a few
1: short months. It's an incredible story. Josh Alex is here from FortuneCopilot.com. What do you have, my friend? Some of the brightest brains in business are continually telling us to fail fast. But why? What does failing fast actually mean? I'll be making it crystal clear for you by giving you a better alternative. That sounds great. And what are the
0: world's most powerful brands? I bet you get the top three wrong. We'll reveal all very shortly. Who hasn't had to deal with a difficult person at work? Hands up. Everyone's got their hands up. Now, if you're the boss, then your job is, of course, to get the most out of people. But it can be made doubly difficult when, quite frankly, some people are impossible to deal with, especially when the pressure is on. Earlier I attended a seminar given by Gary Hales. Now he has a long career with many companies around the world from London, Dubai, South Africa and more recently in the British Virgin Isles. During a coffee interval though I started by asking him actually isn't this a simple case of just moving people to a different role?
2: Yeah, I mean, there will be obviously people who are in the wrong job, square peg and wrong, r- round holes, as an example. The key is, if you're stressed at work, you know, it's how you're reacting to situations. So, you know, there's a model that uh, David Rock from the Neuro Leadership Institute has developed called the SCARF model. So if somebody's in a stressful environment, it's looking at, you know, these elements of that SCARF model. S standing for status, so is their status threatened in relation to others, which will kick in the uh, the threat response again. So Certainty? Are they in an environment where there's lots of ambiguity? Because if there's lots of ambiguity, again the threat response comes in and people are becoming in a stressful situation. Do they have autonomy? Are they able to make their own decisions and in control of the work that they're doing? If they're not, again that can result in additional stress. What's the working environment like? You know, is there a good working environment? Do people feel related to the people they're working with? Do they feel related to the goals of the company? You know, are the values of the company matching theirs? These are the sorts of things that are important, and if there's some mismatches there, then you know some stress is kicking. And fairness, you know, is the final piece of that scarf model. If an individual is feeling they're in an environment where they or colleagues are being treated unfairly, again, this kicks up the stress element. So, if all five of those are not working, you've got a lot of stress for an individual, but again, it may be one that's not quite right. So, it's about being conscious of where you as an individual sit within a company, and again, it's all about knowledge. If you can read, relay these through if you're in an open environment with a boss where you can talk this through and they can make some changes then it's great then you don't need to run away and get a new job you can just help change the environment which will be better not only for you but for all your colleagues as well.
0: Is there a difference in the way that the brain works with male and female intuitively one
2: might say that's true? in some parts yes i mean fundamentally the brain is the same but the way we deal with things is different because of the structure of the brain for example men tend to get to anger much quicker than women because the different sides of the brain the lobes of the brain in a woman they have better connections more connections that enables the brain to talk to itself more effectively by and large than a man can so again if you take that back to prehistoric times the man went out hunting all he focused on was what he was trying to kill everything else was switched off whereas a woman would go down to fetch water get berries look after the children communicate with the other woman and at the same time keep a lookout for predators so their brain developed in a different way to the man's to enable those connections so you get that element and if you look at it from a woman's point of view they're generally better than communicating than man for those particular reasons.
0: Is there an age-related element to the way in which the brain works?
2: Yes, I mean I think the important thing there is the, the frontal part of the brain, which is called the prefrontal cortex, is the last to develop both from historically within humans, it was the last part of the brain to develop, but as we grow up as well, that part generally only fully develops by the age of 22, 23, 24. So as a teenager, it's not yet fully developed. And this is the part of the brain that we use for making cognitive decisions and problem solving. You know, an analogy that I've read is, it's the rider on an elephant. Your brain is an elephant. This part of the brain that's the last to develop is the rider on that elephant.
0: It would affect the way in which youngsters are at work and what they do and those sorts of things. So probably we're asking a little bit too much of our youngsters at work.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the brain hasn't yet fully developed. So for you and I, who are over 24, you know, our brain is, uh, is fully developed, whereas other people younger than us, by and large, their brain is not yet fully developed. So they can't fully understand some of the things we talk to them about because those connections, those neural pathways in those parts of the brain have not yet fully developed. So it's like speaking Chinese to them, if, you know, at times.
0: I was talking with Gary Hales. Josh Alex joining me in the studio. Josh from fortunecopilot.com. Now, Josh, you've been looking at the world's most powerful brands, the world's most powerful brands. Quite some interesting ones in there.
1: There are. It's uh, it's a very interesting list of the 10 most powerful brands, as you said, in the world this year in 2017. So I can guess. Uh, I think just
0: bear with me. All right. Just say yes or no. Okay. I'm going to say I'm I'm just going to give you three. All right. Yes or no for these three. Yeah. Uh, I would say, uh, thinking about it,
1: Disney. Correct, Disney are in the list. Okay, they're, are, they're number six though.
0: Google, Google, they're they're number two. Right. Okay. Now, having said, I could do three. I'm struggling. Um, I would say it's
1: got to be one of the car car brands, like Ford. Maybe Ford. No, not in the list. Unfortunately, Ford, wow. should we rattle through the list because it it makes for a really interesting, right. interesting reading. Pass actually. it over. Here
0: okay now i see i see what you said all right okay i i was nearly nearly right with ford now actually i was nowhere near with ford anyway it'll become obvious no
1: now let's start off with number 10 mckinsey
0: yeah they're a consultancy management consultant they all do all sorts of stuff
1: they do indeed uh moving up johnson and johnson make everything of Every- course they yeah, do uh, yeah uh, so many brands that they own they make everything number eight pwc uh was price Waterhouse cooper i think and uh, again a consultancy Again, yeah. So number seven, NBC, of course, the American TV uh, yeah. network.
0: Yeah, BBC nowhere.
1: Uh, number six, Disney. Thank as you. you. As you already guessed, number five, a very interesting one. Actually, it's it's a, a company or a logo at least that you look at every single day, probably multiple times a day, but probably don't figure that, that, that's what you're doing visa
0: yeah and i would have said it with american express but visa when you th- think about it the brand is there all the time it is a very powerful brand that
1: it is indeed now number four as you guessed it there is a car manufacturer but yeah. it's not ford it's
0: ferrari i know I was, I was when i looked at the list you passed across there i thought oh, that's a bit embarrassing how could i not imagine that ferrari were on the list number three nike yeah that must be really annoying to other sports brands like adidas
1: yeah it probably is having said that nike do uh, a lot of advertising on telly they sponsor a lot of the world's top athletes so it's probably no real surprise that they're in the list of top 10 so before i reveal the top two you're probably wondering how is it calculated
0: yeah so this is a forbes list and i'm going to read to you exactly how this is calculated so then you could make up your own mind as to the validity of how they've arrived at these things what they have done basically is they've created a ranking for a huge number of well-known brands and that ranking is first of all based on uh, what they call equity and the equity of the brand is determined by surveys consumer questions uh, questionnaires and so on and so forth and they've asked the consumers whether they intended to buy from that brand so that's about 50 percent of the value of the brand and then what they've done is they've added in a dimension which is called brand input and this is a measure of how much money the brand spends on marketing so the more that they've spent the higher that the brand would rank so the last part of this jigsaw is what they call the output and they looked at the profit margins and prices that the brands were charging and a brand with a high margin that commands a premium price in its category scores well in this third area. So each of these last two dimensions take up 25% of the brand power with the surveys and whatnot taking up 50%. So that's how they've
1: calculated the brand value. So if I can boil this down, it's it's three things. It's basically what the consumer thinks of the brand, yep. how much money they're spending on marketing, and so and so forth, and uh, how much they're making. You've got it. Fantastic. Right, so we've got to the final two in the list. You already mentioned number two, and it was Google. No surprise there. I think they have been announced as the world's largest company. Number one, however, is very, very interesting. And in a million years, I never would have guessed that this company would be in the top fifty, ignore number one. No, me neither. Drum roll. It's Lego. Of all companies, Lego,
0: the it, n- number one worldwide brand for 2017. Th-
1: indeed. Now their profile has been raising, of course, with um, with the Lego films doing phenomenally well at the box offices. Uh, they've got a new one coming out. Uh, I'll admit, now it's been mentioned, you seem to see it everywhere.
0: And one company, just to interject there, that isn't in this list is very interesting. It is apple doesn't feature anywhere in the top 10 yeah amazing isn't it really that apple would not feature in the top 10 global brands but it doesn't and it's just the way it's calculated
1: Perhaps next year they'll do a bit better. <laughs>
0: or oh, they'll complain. Um, why would they? They're a very successful company. Anyway, so if you want to know a little bit more about that, sticking that up on the web, and we, i know actually, we're not. We're going to stick up on Twitter.
1: Yes, I mean, one would argue that Twitter is the web, but of course, we will stick it up on Twitter. <laughs> if you want to find the link to this list, search for at LTBShow on Twitter, and we will pop up, and this will be on our timeline, and be sure to follow us whilst you're
0: there. All right, I consider myself told to off. This program is brought to you by FortuneCopilot.com. FortuneCopilot.com helps smart business owners like you discover world-leading ideas which will transform your business. You're listening to Let's Talk Business, the UK's premier program for current and future entrepreneurs. I'm Alan Coote, still to come on this week's program. If you have a fantastic idea for a manufactured product, how do you go about getting out there to the world? We find out how to go from nothing to signing your first customers in a few short months. Josh Alex from fortunecopilot.com
1: is here with this week's business insight. What do you have? Some of the brightest brains in business are continually telling us to fail fast. But why? What does failing fast actually mean? I'll be making it crystal clear for you by giving you a better alternative. That sounds great. All of that and much more still to come.
0: So what does it take to set up an export business? It's not trivial, that's for sure. You have to have a great idea, get it manufactured, and then get your international distribution network sorted. Now, most people wouldn't try it, and those that do wouldn't expect to do it in eight months from scratch. However, that's what Fusion did. Now, Fusion are a manufacturer of high-tech bags for musicians, from keen amateur ukulele players to professional bagpipe players and most other instruments in between. Joining me on the line is Nicole Sekeres. Take us back, Nicole, can you right to the beginning? How did it start?
3: It was a team of four friends who got together, and one of them was a product designer who used to run her own design agency, and she had a very large customer who she was designing for, but this business had problems, um, and they went out of business, and she lost her main customer. She was very passionate about designing musical instrument bags, so we thought we could do this ourselves. She had years of experience of designing these products, so we thought, well, it can't be too difficult to set up a business that sells musical instrument bags. So we went off to China um, to a contact that we had, and we got the factory owner to agree to work with us and come up with a couple of samples. Then we took these samples and launched our business at the Music China show in Shanghai, where we just literally just had the prototypes and uh, wanted to see how the response was going to be from distributors. And thankfully, the response was very, very positive. We seem to have created something new and something fresh that the music industry was interested in.
0: And that people uh, needed. What length of time are we talking about between that initial idea, going to China and then getting products and going to the um, the, the exhibition?
3: We had the idea of the business in February and set up the, the company as a limited company at the beginning of March. About a week later we went off to China and the launch of the products was um, in October of the same year, in 2008. So it was a very, very short time. And to be honest, uh, I I don't think we could do this again. We were running on adrenaline. There was so much work to be done in that very short time. Uh, Nowadays, when we launch new products, it takes us almost a year to create one product. And at the time, we launched a whole range of over 100 different products in, in less than six months.
0: So the key to this success and being able to do it in that time was actually attracting distributors.
3: Yes, that was the initial business model that we worked right. with. We went to these trade shows, um, showed our products and looked for distributor who potentially would be interested in these uh, musical instrument bags. And then when they were interested, they would order container loads of these bags directly from our factory in China. These bags would then be shipped straight to the different distributors around the world. So the products were never coming to the UK. They were shipped from China directly to these countries.
0: If you couldn't have got that done in China... Was there anywhere else in the world that you would have turned to? I mean, could you have turned to anywhere else in the world, I suppose, is the real question?
3: Yeah, I I suppose there's other places that are capable to um, manufacture musical instrument bags. But the main reason we went to China was because of the pricing. We would have absolutely loved to create a UK product, but because of how complex our product is, it was impossible to get these bags made in the UK or anywhere else in Europe at the price that musicians would be happy to pay for them.
0: Did you get any help from uh, somebody who had actually had experience of setting up this type of business and dealing with China? I, I know that you mentioned your colleague Amanda had some experience in that.
3: Well, we had some support from the UK Trade and Investment, um, so UKTI. They they helped us to do some market research when we started looking for distributors and gave us some good advice on how to promote our products and how to attract customers. But other than the UKTI, now know we, we learned it all ourselves, really.
0: Do you need a stack of cash to be able to do this, apart from the airfare to China twice for two of you? <laughs>
3: yeah it it definitely helps when you have a bit of money available we started the business on a shoestring because the initial idea was to create some laptop bags and there's only a certain amount of sizes of laptops so we were thinking of maybe creating four to seven different laptop bags but then realized very quickly that it would be a mistake not to take advantage of Amanda's expertise in the music industry and her creativity of designing really innovative musical instrument bags. So yeah, definitely uh, having a bit of cash behind you helps because there's gonna be so many things that you don't think about when you first set up a business and especially market research. The best market research is done by talking to people and sometimes this means that you have to get on a plane and you have to go to different countries and talk to your prospect.
0: Your whole business model was really predicated on getting decent distributors. Yeah. How did you vet
3: them? But the business model that we had was that our customers would pay upfront, so we were never having any problems uh, of not being paid for our product. And then, of course, also. Um, learning from our own mistakes. In the beginning, we were just very keen on finding distributors who wanted to sell our bags. And then after a year or two, we realised that it's it's much more important to find people who really understood the brand and and felt as passionate as we were.
0: Obviously, we know that we're going to leave Europe and <laughs> there is a different view of UK PLC from elsewhere in the world, uh, good or bad. How is that going to affect you think your business
3: that's a very good question we don't know the answer to that at the moment after the referendum we were very very worried at first because when something new comes along that we don't know then fear kicks in and you think you know maybe everything is going to change But change is not always a bad thing. It could be a good thing. And we just have to see what happens at the moment as we are trading with a lot of European countries, especially now with our online store. It's really easy for us to sell into countries of the uh, European community. It gets a lot more expensive for us and for our customers when we sell out of the EU, I'm from Switzerland originally, and I know um, that when when you're in Switzerland and you're trying to buy anything, it just gets really expensive because you have to pay import tax on it. I'm a little bit concerned sometimes that we might create a bit of a problem if the UK is not in the EU.
0: If you had the ear of uh, the Prime Minister, I do know that she probably doesn't listen, but I do know that people <laughs> of influence do. Uh, so, if you did have the ear of her, what would you say?
3: I don't think I can give her any advice. I think most probably she understands or I would hope that her and her team around her, that they would come up with an option that would benefit uh, UK businesses or at least uh, not put them in a position where they're worse off than they are now.
0: So being um, a manufacturer of bags for instruments and musicians, what are you seeing that people are actually doing in their spare time musically? What are they picking up? What are they playing?
3: Oh, well, our customers are playing anything under the sun, really. We we have classical musicians, we have ukulele artists, bagpipe players, DJs, jazz musicians, Any type of music style is represented by Fusion, which is um, really nice and it brings together this Fusion family.
0: That's Nicole Sekeresh from Fusion. Thank you very much indeed. More details, of course, as always, on our website, letstalkbusinessonline.com. This is Alan Coote from Let's Talk Business. Joining me in the studio is Josh Alex from FortuneCopilot.com. Josh is an editor with FortuneCopilot.com. And this week, talking about a very interesting subject once again.
1: Yes. Now, you're definitely going to have heard of the phrase, fail fast. Mm. But in reality, what does this actually mean? And how do I actually go about doing that? Some people strongly believe that in life, you have to fail before you succeed. As a baby learning to walk, you probably would have fallen over countless times before you began to get the hang of it. And it's no different for professional athletes, for example, when starting out in their sport. They would have spent the vast majority of their time losing before they won their first big event. Yeah, this same story holds true for many other things, doesn't it? Yeah, sure. Businesses, for example. You'll always hear people who have made it talking about their early days and their succession of failures before they finally met success head on. So as a budding entrepreneur or small business owner aiming for the dreamy heights of huge success, it can be quite frankly disheartening to think that before us, Lair Road littered with obstacles, falls and failures before, mercifully, the road levels out and it's a clear path to success. So assuming that on some level, we must tackle and battle and wrestle with all of these obstacles and failures, wouldn't it be a good idea to get it over and done with quickly? (laughs) experiencing all of those failures and heartbreaks that follow now all at once instead of spreading them out or experiencing them all at a later date. And in essence, that's what this fail fast mentality is about. The question is, how do I go about failing quickly? I propose that to make it clearer, though, we slightly reword the fail fast motto to learn quick. After all, that's what failing is. For every failure, we learn a lesson, and it's these lessons that can help us cruise home to success.
0: Yeah, I'm liking the idea of rephrasing that. So fail fast, it sort of sticks in the mind, I guess. Uh, learn learn quick, learn
1: quickly, learn quick, learn quick. That's much clearer now. I like that much more, actually. Learn quick. It's more positive. It is. And now that we've rephrased the motto, it suddenly becomes a lot more actionable. Of course, if you really wanted, you could very easily go out and intentionally fail at something. But the whole point of experiencing all these failures is to learn a valuable insight as a result.
0: So I think I understand what you're saying and I understand the concept now. So it's learn quick. But how do I put that then
1: into practice? Right. So I think it boils down to asking yourself two questions. Question number one, if what I'm going to do might end in failure... How do I fail quickly with minimum effort so I can move on to something else? Now the idea here is to fail quickly, learn your lesson and move on. Whether you've got a new product idea, you're starting a company or you're wondering if the new fad diet is for you. Say my goal was to place a monkey that can recite Shakespeare on top of a plinth. Right, now the easiest job to get started on here seems to be building the plinth. Six months later, my boss might walk past and congratulate me on a fantastically ornate and beautifully built plinth. But as far as my aims are concerned, I'm absolutely nowhere nearer to finding out if I can achieve it or not. If I can't get the monkey to recite Shakespeare, then the six months building the plinth was a phenomenal waste of my time. So try and identify what the Achilles heel of your idea might be. If there's one thing that's going to let you down or cause you to come unstuck, identify it, and then start with it. Had I have started with the monkeys, then I would have soon realised it's not going to work, and I could have saved myself huge amounts of time and money. Say you have a product idea, the question might be, will anybody buy it? I don't need to spend time and money on research and development of the product and then complicated national marketing campaigns to test it. I could very simply ask some people. So for example, instead of writing an entire book, I could just write the blurb and the first chapter. Uh, what well, and then check to see if people liked it. Exactly.
0: OK, I'm with that. I was thinking about the monkey and the plinth, and as ridiculous as that sounds, I have worked for companies that have invested thousands and thousands, if not millions of pounds, into an idea where they have absolutely no indication of whether that idea, when it comes to fruition, will be a success so i totally see where you're coming from but you said there were two questions what's the second
1: yeah the second question is very similar but sometimes a subtle rewording is all we need for our brains to launch down a new avenue of thought and help us out with some novel ideas so here it is question two assuming i need a certain level of knowledge before i succeed at something how can i learn all that knowledge very quickly
0: now that is a tricky question to answer Now, if you knew what lessons you needed to learn, then, if I'm right, there would be no need for the failures in the first place, would there? Because you know everything.
1: Exactly, yeah. Chances are, however, the road you're about to go down has been travelled before. Sometimes, many times already, and some of the obstacles, falls and failures that face you also faced people who have already travelled it. So find these people and learn from them. If your end goal is the same as a lot of people becoming an athlete, an entrepreneur or even the host of a national radio programme just as yourself then you're in luck there is so much material out there for you you can avoid a huge number of these failures I could of course read books and watch videos and attend seminars until the cows came home but they say the best lessons are the ones experienced through failure so seek out the stories of other people's failures what did they do What went wrong and what did they actually learn from that as a result? So what you're saying is, look at the people who have failed, study why they've failed,
0: maybe even go and ask them, and learn from their lessons, in which case you're learning
1: more quickly rather than failing quickly. Exactly. Put yourself in their shoes and analyse what you would have done. Would you have done the same thing and ultimately learnt the same lesson? Or would you have done something differently and how would that have ended? I appreciate that it's all hypothetical but the nearer to a real failure you can get yourself without actually having to fail of course is the best way to learn a valuable lesson without the need to experience the failure head-on. And a great source of detailed stories of failures and successes are, of course, autobiographies. Successful entrepreneurs, Olympic athletes, even celebrities, can be a valuable source of lessons depending on your goal.
0: So can I summarise this then? Yes, please do. Okay, so if I understand this correctly, what you're saying is, There's nothing wrong per se in using the notion of failing fast, but it sets you up in the wrong mindset and in the wrong direction. It's about learning quickly.
1: Exactly. And I think if you've got it in your mind rather than I want to fail really quickly at something, if I'm going to fail, let's fail quickly at it. Why don't you think about let's learn quickly? What can I learn quickly about what I'm doing?
0: And you're also saying use the experience of other people who have failed to your advantage by reading the autobiographies and maybe even treating them as case studies in some respects.
1: Yeah, often in autobiographies, just for example, the author has dissected their failures already and already analysed it for you, so there's really no thinking involved. It's just reading and absorbing.
0: Josh, this is a, it's a long piece this week. Thank you very much for that. It's going to be up on the Fortune Co-Pilot members' website. Is that right? Is that where you're going to put this?
1: It is, yeah. We've got a whole blog post on this. Fail fast, learn quick mentality and motto and it will be up on the fortune copilot website and if you want to find out more details about that simply go to fortunecopilot.com and you can see all the information there you need to to join up and to join our community and learn lots in the process
0: all right commercial over that's josh alex from fortunecopilot.com josh is an editor at fortunecopilot.com all right that is it for this show thank you so much for being with us it has been a pleasure having you as always if you want to join us online or one of ways of doing it is of course heading over to our website let's talk business online or if you want to join in the conversation we're on twitter at ltb show i'm alan coote you can also find me on twitter at the alan coote this program was edited by sean burns it's a monogram media production we will see you next time this program was brought to you by fortune copilot.com FortuneCopilot.com helps smart
3: business owners like you discover world-leading ideas which will transform your business.